Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. What was your last performance evaluation discussion like? Did you get that raise you wanted? What about a promotion negotiation? I've messed that up more times than I want to admit. I expected my work to speak for itself. I wasn't really actively managing my career. For product managers, you can think about managing your career like you would a product, navigating a path that best positions yourself for recognition, raises, and promotions that you deserve. That also means you're able to work on the projects that most interest you, participate in training opportunities, attend conferences, and get other resources you want. A properly managed career gives you control. To learn how you can better manage your career, Farnoosh Brock joins us. After starting her corporate career at Cisco, she has become an expert on career management and growth, as well as a personal coach who has helped many people build their career. And she shares valuable and specific tips so you can better manage your career. And remember, we take notes for you. You hear something you want to go back to? You'll find all the insights summarized at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 247. Now, let's hear these insights. Hi, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovators. Hey, thank you, Chad, for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I, I purposely went looking for this topic and someone that could speak on it, and you have great experience with this. And the topic is really helping everyday innovators listening to navigate their corporate environment, to get the recognition they actually deserve, because sometimes we're overlooked, and navigate that, you know, the career progression ladder. Sometimes we don't get the promotions that we deserve and just have those conversations. Could you first tell us how you came to this, your personal experience with this? Sure. So um, it is a topic I am passionate about, so I can't wait to dive in. I spent 18 months at a startup company after I left graduate school, and then I went to a Fortune 100 technical Mm -hmm. company where I spent about 12 years. So that's where I learned everything I learned. Well, maybe not everything, because since then I've been coaching on it and you learn a lot more. But that's where the foundation of my firsthand experience comes in Mm -hmm. with navigating company landscape, corporate uh, politics, uh, um, and everything that goes into that. And, you know, my journey was that at first I was going by this uh, philosophy that uh, you work hard and you get recognized. Right. Which, which is a great philosophy and it works at the beginning of your career. And you do need to work hard and you do need to get really, really good at what you do. Those mm-hmm. are non-negotiables, but that's only half the story if you want to keep moving up the corporate ladder. So the first few years, I was doing well. The corporate, the startup was a great experience because I learned in that environment that maybe I need to be more aware and take charge of my career. And I didn't even think of it in terms of career. Mm -hmm. And so that was the initial stages of my mindset forming around this idea of I have a career and I need to be in charge of it. You know, I was just out of school. I was happy to have a job and a boss and ready to do whatever my boss told me. 
But experiences started to build, and I soon left that environment, and I went on to work at Cisco, the Fortune 100. Uh And I went into a very difficult environment. It was a very stressful customer support center where, you know, service providers like Goldman Sachs or AT&T would call you when their voice over IP network wasn't working. And I had to find a needle in a haystack under massive stress. And it was a very thankless job, if you think of it that way. But I loved it because it was challenging. It was exciting. It was learning every single minute of the day. It was direct interaction with customers. Uh And at the same time, I was working toward a very hard uh, certification, a highly privileged industry certification. The word on the Cisco street was, if you get that certification, your next promotion is a no-brainer. It's a given. And I went out and I got the certification. I was like 7,000 third person to have it in the world. And nothing happened. And that was the first time I started to wonder, what is going on? What am I missing? I've checked all the boxes and the extra, extra boxes. And this was a low-level promotion still. I had just joined the company. It was a couple of years Mm -hmm. in. And that's when I started to get really curious. And at first, frustrated, annoyed, but then curious. What is it that I'm missing? And I realized the people who were successful were actually working a fraction as hard as I was. But aside from that, they were adored by management. They were indispensable. They were navigating that corporate ladder effortlessly, it seemed. And I noticed what they were doing. And that's where I started to get really curious. And implementing what they were doing helped me make that next level and then the harder level next. So as you move up, just a little context, most corporate structures are a triangle. Some of them are starting to look more flat, but more are a triangle. The first few promotions may just come to you. As you go up, they become harder and harder. And the gap between one promotion and another grows. And what you do to get you to that first promotion is maybe similar to the second one, but definitely not the same as the third and the fourth. And as you move up, things change. There is more complexity. So the elements I learned by watching those very successful people was this relationship phenomena. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they had a different relationship altogether with their ecosystem. Your ecosystem is your peers, your people below you. If you are a manager, that not below you, sorry, your direct reports, your managers above you, and then above and above, your partners, your customers, that's your ecosystem in a mm-hmm. corporate environment. And I noticed they had a different relationship. They, they commanded a different level of respect and recognition. They were viewed very differently. And it wasn't certification. In fact, some of them didn't have my certification. It was, it was how they positioned themselves uh-huh. on a day-to-day basis, how they showed up, how they communicated, how they watched their reputation, how they later, I found out, how they positioned their value behind closed doors in those one-on-one manager-employee conversations. Yeah, Things that you not learn. <laughs> right. They're conducting themselves differently through this. And I think it's useful for product managers uh-huh. listening to kind of think about this as a product, right? Their career. Yes. When a product goes to the market, we we take specific actions to see it grow in the market and to 
position against competitors. And we, it might be helpful to think about our careers as that product too, that there's actions we sure. need to take. And you're going to help us figure out what those actions are. As you're talking <laughs> yes. about that, one thing that came to my mind, uh-huh. I, I've shared this before, you may have come across it. There was some research done by the Center for Creative Leadership a long time ago that looked at how leaders' p- career progress versus rest, rest of organization. And sure. for most people in an organization, career progression is pretty, pretty linear, right? It's you know, up and to the right, but it's pretty straightforward. But they found for leaders in the organization, there's a pivot point on average at the 10-year point. And some leaders, the graph turns into a hockey stick, right? And so all of a sudden, their career progression takes off. And what they found was in that first 10 years, the linear growth is all about technical competence, right? Like you started saying, you have to be able to perform and do your job. But that's Mm -hmm. not the whole picture. And at that pivot point, they found it was the power of their their network. You called it the ecosystem, right? Their professional network that made the difference to their career growth or not. And they're doing something differently to position Correct. themselves with that. Correct. Correct. And you know what? And I have worked with those leaders, you know, and that leap at that level takes so much. You have to play every card right. But I want to say, you know, in the technical community I was in, this whole idea of managing your career, you called it like managing a product. There is different ways we can look at it, uh-huh. but it is a thing that needs to be managed it's not like rain. It doesn't take care of itself. Uh-huh. It doesn't just fall. You need to manage it. So just this concept, if you've never thought of it as I have a career, I need to manage it just like I manage other things in my life. That's the first thing. But what gets in the way of a lot of us who are very technically savvy, and I come from the engineering world, uh-huh. that technical world I mentioned to you, is that we think all of what I just said earlier is summed up by one word, and that is politics. Hmm. And so most of us are like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to play politics. That's just the way it is. And I guess I'm just going to give up on my career ambitions. I mean, you don't say this loudly, but that's what happens in your mind. And you disqualify yourself by, by, by a misnomer. It is not politics. It can be, but... The way I work with people and I teach them how to navigate this landscape is, first of all, you have to be authentic and true to who you are. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you need to develop the skills and the savvy to position your value and to speak to your work because guess what? It doesn't speak for itself. It should, but it just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And so there, there's a mistake in there. And I think it might be helpful to kind of anchor this discussion uh-huh. in some of the key mistakes we all make. And one you just just alluded to was our work doesn't speak for itself. We're making a mistake if we're relying on that. Can you sum up some of the key mistakes that we're probably making? That we're, we're, like that's one, we're expecting our work so that yes. we get recognized because of the work we're doing. Yes. And can we call it oversight? Okay. Mistake is so heavy. So oversights, and I have had these oversights again and again, and it has cost me. So here are they are. The work doesn't speak for itself. This huh. is not the same as you bragging about your work. There is a distinction. So what you need to do is understand, number one, understand the value you bring to your immediate inner circle. And then as it grows larger and larger. Okay, so your immediate circle could be the client accounts you work with directly and your peers. The bigger circle is your managers, peers also have uh, direct reports, the larger peer group, the larger teams, the larger organization, maybe the company at large. You 
have the responsibility, I'll give you this as a challenge, as a homework, to write down in bullet form, in leadership language, the values you bring by being there. What are those values? And these values aren't about you putting in 60 hours in project XYZ. That is not a value. That is Mm -hmm. a task, an activity. The value would be as a result of the work I did for a year on project XYZ, we were able to implement a strategy that helps us be more efficient, um, that helps us uh, increase the bottom line, that helps us be more confident as leaders. It doesn't have to be all tangible and measurable and money and time. It can be the intangibles. Right. Maybe you're helping improve the confidence of a group. Maybe you're mentoring young, younger people coming in. But you got to be clear about those values. Mm-hmm. Because those values, and most people don't know, they, they, they have their role, they have their tasks, and we get lost in, a, in that busyness, and you have to step away and have this higher mm-hmm. view of yourself. So you have to connect the dots because of you in this part of the organization as a product manager, to use an example of perhaps some of your listeners, mm-hmm. your role enables this over here and this over here. And as a result of that, there is impact over here. And you have to connect the dots like that butterfly effect, which may be a version of it, right? And you're not exaggerating, but you're being accurate and fair to yourself. And if you don't know the impact you have, you need to go and learn that. Yeah. And in connecting those dots, the impact you have is measured against the organization's mission and vision. Of course, you have to be aligned for sure. Yeah, the value you bring, if you can tie that back to what your manager cares about and that manager's manager, you know, what what the organization is trying to accomplish, that's where you really get, I think, more recognition because you make it clear how your contributions are satisfying what the company cares about. They are relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, when you get really, really good and you're in this really innovative role, maybe you bring ideas that are outside of that mission. But first, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You have to align to the bigger company picture. You have to care about your management's headaches and the problems that you could possibly impact. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we were talking about oversights. Yep. And I think this is just sort of an unknown unknown. Like we don't even know we need to know this. And you need to know this as a first step because this is what you have a conversation about when you sit down on that next one-on-one with your manager. Not to discuss that project, but to discuss you Mm -hmm. and your career roadmap. There should be conversations of that nature happening from time to time in any company, in any organization. Hey, Dad, I was just thinking about your book. What's its title? Turning Ideas into Market-Winning Products. Is that about alchemy? (laughs) Okay, that's an interesting question. It's kind of, I guess. It's actually about how we find insights. We uncover problems, come across ideas, these unmet needs that customers have that we can then turn into some product or service that creates new value for them in a way that really is different than others. That's market-winning products. So why did you recently make a second edition? Well, the first one was a few years ago, and recently AIPMM, that's the Association of International Product Marketers and Managers, contacted me about providing that original book to some of the people that are earning uh, their certification. And I said, that'd be great. Be glad to help out with that. And that was a good opportunity to update the book and bring in some new information. Okay. So where can people get your book? Well, it's on Amazon, of course, but even more importantly... 
they can find many of the key concepts for free in my online course. If you're selling the book, why are you giving away a free course? Because I really do want to help as many product managers as I can have this notion of what it takes to make market-winning products, to take ideas and turn them into products that customers love. Okay, I get it. Where can product managers get the free course? That's easy. You can just go to the everydayinnovator.com slash book and sign up for the free mini course. Easy to do, and you'll get these little lessons that just come into your email box. Are you sure it's not about alchemy? <laughs> <laughs> And product managers stand out. I, this is not true across all organizations. I know some listeners will be saying, no, this is not my place. But we really are the ones that are making the, the revenue-generating opportunities possible because we're creating new products or taking existing products and making them better, adding more value so our sales team, salespeople can you know, now go position these. Shoot. And without the products, the organization just couldn't keep growing. So we're really big levers, and sure. we often don't quite get that recognition some of the time. I remember talking, though, to, to one executive uh -huh. that recognized this really well, and he had built a few companies. And mm -hmm. I asked him, how do you do this? He said, I hire really good product managers that are paranoid. They're really concerned about the competition. They're going to work really hard to make us great. And then I keep, I keep throwing money at them all the time they're doing great things. Right? Yeah, because exactly. That doesn't happen for a lot of us. We just don't get money thrown at us. <laughs> no, that's nice. But you know what? There is salespeople who are saying without them, the company wouldn't exist. There's marketing people who are making the same arguments you made. And they're, right. they're often making it more loudly and more visibly. Yes. And so your argument is like, who is really responsible for the $10 million revenue? You know, everybody wants a claim to it. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's not enough. You know, saying that, and, and I know you weren't implying that, but, right. but what you need to do is really understand not just the value to the product, but also the value you as a unique individual mm. bring, you know? So, um, but yeah, those are the, um, the, some of the, 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 the foundations that I think we need to first become aware. Oh, I actually need to do that because it doesn't take care of itself. And the fact that your work doesn't speak for itself, you know, in most companies today, your manager probably has a vague idea of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And even if you had this detailed discussion with him two weeks ago, he's not going to remember. So your job in that career conversation is to bring those high-level value points to the table and okay. make sure he understands. And that's part of the positioning that, um, that I was mentioning earlier. That's good. Okay, so that's one thing about recognition is making that, that connection clear. And we kind of talk about that in terms of the manager. How do you do with this with your team? How do you kind of stand out among the team? And mm -hmm. I actually just had this question, you know, one of my hats on I have as yeah. a university professor and one of my students, and th this is an adult, you know, uh, in a graduate course, said, well, how do I, I talk about my work in a way that doesn't sound bragging, right? Because she right. was sensitive to not wanting to be that person in the team that's trying to take all the credit for things, but get the sure. credit that she's due as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you do want to have a certain working relationship with your peers. Of course. I think the question I would put to you is, are you competing with your peers? You know, if you see yourself competing with your peers, then that becomes a little bit of a dilemma. Mm -hmm. How do I position myself as better than all of them, but still be friends with them and, and have them as allies. You can't have both. Right. So my, my perspective is 
do not be in competition, even just in your mind with your peers. Uh-huh. The competition, and I don't even like to think of it that way, but there is competition in the corporate environment because there is not promotions for everyone. Not everyone will get promoted. Very few will get promoted. And the higher you go, the less. But I would say stay with the idea that you are bringing unique value. And really, really ground yourself in that and understand that and be completely confident about that. You know, so whether Susan over there is doing great work and Charlie over there brought the idea, fine. And that's great. And you are happy for them and you should be able to support your team members and serve them and have them come to you as a resource because that is the way you want to position yourself. Your peers should love you. Uh You do not want to be in competition with your peers. So this is my philosophy. It's not the only way, but the competition piece is really you against yourself a year ago, a month ago. Are you improving? Are you getting better? Are you learning and growing? Are you increasing your value to your company? Uh If you are, that's all you need to know to position yourself to the decision makers and the influencers who are going to decide on your promotion, on your next role, on your next position. Okay. I, we- I do like that position. You know, there, there's the other perspective and some organizations are, they're structurally built to be more competitive, a little bit more Darwinian in sure, structure, right? Mm-hmm. It's the survival of the fittest, right? Who stands out? Um, I'm not wired that way. I think a lot of people aren't wired that way. We want to be part of a team that we look forward to coming and contributing to and we enjoy, right? And one thing to remember is those teammates that we're serving today, that that we're trying to meet their needs, trying to help them stand out as well. In the future, they may very well be in positions that will be very powerful to our network as our professional network grows as well. Yes, yes, for sure. I had a friend in that customer support uh, group, and he was actually from Canada. And I'll have him listen to the podcast at this point. Peng, I'm going to call him (laughs) out. And my friend was, years later, I saw this. He was in a very polarized environment. And so you would have clicks over here, clicks over there. He was one of the few who was allies and friends with everyone. Uh-huh. Everyone would go to him. There was, the, nobody ever felt that the, his competition or they always saw him as a resource, as a respectable resource in his field uh-huh. who felt everyone was his friend. Everyone was a coworker and a peer. And I thought that was brilliant. And to do that takes a certain level of perspective on your part, a certain level of acceptance right. and savvy. And, and I wasn't able to do that. You know, I, I tended to rely on certain groups and know that maybe other groups didn't support me. And maybe that was just my youth. But I think if you can be more like Peng <laughs> and be more of the person that people come to in a group, mm-hmm. in a team, it will only serve you in your yeah. career. It's not all you need to do to get promoted, but it is a foundation and a relationship dynamic I recommend for the team peer environment that you asked about. Yeah. And it does help you build that network. And I bet that if we asked him one thing that he never did was talk behind anyone's back. Nobody. Right? That's why he was know. trusted. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes, for sure. Good yeah. point. Okay. So th- this issue of getting recognized is certainly important and that we can't let the work speak for ourselves. I'm sure there's other mistakes that we're making in our careers that aren't helping us to progress well. So serving Mm -hmm. others is a big point. Is there something else that we might be doing that we should be aware of? 
Well, it's something that I think people may lack the skill to do because often I've, and I've worked, you know, I'm speaking from experience now of eight years of coaching people Mm -hmm. from individual contributor all the way to uh, somebody who just became a president of his company and CXO levels. And I find to my surprise that knowing what to say and not to say, Chad, in Mm. that conversation with your manager is crucial. And it's impossible for us to go deep and cover everything. But here are the things I will tell you. If you're starting that conversation by saying how hard you work, whether you deserve a promotion, your time is due for promotion or raise, that is not helping you. And that puts you in the same category as 99% of other employees who work hard, no doubt, who are good at what they do. But that's not what you say. When I say know your value and position yourself, you have to start by the benefit to your boss, your larger management, the project, and the company. Mm-hmm. And then you connect the dots to how you are a vehicle for those values being yep. delivered. Yep. So I think when we think we're talking about our career and we start talking about ourselves completely natural, that needs to shift completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a balance there. And a couple of examples came to my mind. One was, I, mm-hmm. I remember once upon a time, someone that I was the manager of came to me and started the conversation with, you know, we're having kind of these struggles at home and we're having some more financial pressure. And, oh. you know, and, you know, first my heart goes out to this individual, like, of course I want to help you, but everyone else in this organization has similar stories that they can share, right? The, no doubt everyone else. Relevant. Yeah, they, they, they would appreciate more money coming in their paycheck you know, all the time. Instead, if the conversation started with, you know, those last five customers that we just have been, we closed out the projects on, this is the work I did for them. And yes. this is the feedback we got. And it would have been a much better, more powerful yes. place to have started. Yeah, I'm excited to share with you the impact I had on our happy customers. Would you like to hear that, Mr. Right. Manager? right. You like me to share with you how how happy I was to do that, and it's this implied look at the results I'm getting for us, right. and I'm aware of those results, and I want you to be aware. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. Good example, yeah. And I know um, there is so many more oversights we could talk about. I mean, I think more than anything, if you have more awareness about how you show up. And how you speak to your work, even in casual conversations. Um, I work with some people who just dismiss all the hard work they do. Oh, that was nothing. Oh, oh, it was all the team's work. And it's fine to recognize the team. Mm -hmm. But you dismiss and disqualify yourself in the process because you think you're being humble. You think you're being nice. And what you're really doing is lowering actually the value and and if people didn't see all the hard work you did and you're dismissing it now, you you can't really um, expect them to understand the role you played later, right. right? So being careful about, of course, being humble is good. But if you're dismissing and disqualifying yourself, you are not serving your career right. or your own goals. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense that when I want to dive in a little bit deeper on just for a moment, sure. because this was totally, and still is, I'm sure at times, totally my just wiring my position at times, right? So mm. so as an a engineer earlier in my career, I felt a lot of things were just expected of our work, right? It's like, oh, that's just expected, right? That's, that's no big thing. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. 
The reality is when you are taking on that kind of humble attitude, which I also endorse, that's good, but you're not speaking out on on the actual contributions you're making, especially when given the opportunity, when your boss is there with the whole team and says, Chad, you know, really good job on that last deliverable. That's not a time to say, oh, it was nothing. It's a time to say, thank you. I did work really hard on that, and I'm glad to see what I and rest of us accomplished, right? Yes. What specifically about that did you like? What yeah. was of special value to you so I can keep doing it, right? It's a right. great opportunity. It is. And people remember what we tell them. And if we're always just telling them, oh, it was nothing, they don't remember our part of that is the reality. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I want to add to that because another, these oversights are coming to me now, so this is helpful. Uh (laughs) So another one is you said you thought the work was expected of you. So you you went into your role and, you know, early in your career is different uh, than, say, 10, 15, 20 years in. So at the beginning, you might want to do everything. You're learning, you're growing, you're experimenting. Uh But if you are just doing tasks that might be a good idea or somebody suggested it and nobody knows about it, you are more than likely doing a lot of work that's not necessary. Uh. And that's why maybe you are so busy. Like the reports you're running, okay, that's great. And you may feel a sense of accomplishment, Uh but with limited time and energy, if you want to move up the corporate ladder, if you seem really, really busy doing the work you're doing now, your manager is going to look at you. This is a huge misconception. And they think, oh, Chad over there is so busy. He's barely surviving the role he is in. He can't possibly take on more responsibilities. And it's because you are sort of drowning in the work you're doing. And you need to first look to see what you need to say no to. Mm -hmm. And the things you say no to are the things that are not of consequence or value. Right. They're not contributing to those bigger picture, what the company is caring about. Exactly, exactly. And that's really important because people think they just need to do more work. And some of that work is is a wasted cycle on your part, your company's dime, and your manager, if they don't know about it, then of course, you're going to keep doing Mm -hmm. that. And and instead, you need to be turning your attention to other things, such as understanding where your career is going or the things we are discussing today. Yeah. And I think understanding where your career is going is really important. There seems to be this personal branding undertone of what we're talking about. Sure. And back to that example where we were just saying, you know, if the boss comes, you're in the team meeting and says, Chad, good work on that last deliverable. That's also yeah. a great time to say out loud, say, you know, I'm glad to contribute to that. You know, the team did a great job. And I really enjoy being part of projects that directly have communication with the customers, whatever it is, right? Where, yes. Whatever you want to emphasize, that's a good time to kind of establish your personal brand and what you want to be a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, you know, I, and and that's great. Sometimes if there is like agenda to go through, what have you, I would make sure they want to hear that. Like, would it be okay to share with you the things I really enjoy doing in that project? Mm. But, but it's such a great opportunity to, to, to promote yourself that way Mm -hmm. and to let them know what they could give you. So you could be of most value. Right. See, when you see that connection, you're not bragging here. You're helping your boss give you the projects where you thrive Mm -hmm. and you thriving will help the project thrive, the company thrive, the the customers thrive. Absolutely. So you are serving their purpose. And as a result, you're doing something you like. And when we love what we do, we excel. Yeah. Work becomes a whole lot more fun. We show up at work excited about it. 
No so, kidding. That's great. So many more things we could talk about. We'll give listeners some resources uh, to go deeper on this in just a moment. As listeners know, I love innovation, success, motivation quotes. What do you have for us? And tell us why you chose that one. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to cheat and read for you. But here is my favorite, favorite quote. I could never find the source. I don't know where I saw it. And it says, how shall we live? We are born and die one time in this human life. How shall we live it? Is it a joyous thing to live a long life? Life is not that way. Is it sorrowful to die after a short life? Life is not that way. The question is, how shall we live? And I love this because it just goes so deep into bringing our attention to the present moment, Mm -hmm. to making you reflect on what am I doing? I mean, if you are miserable in your job, you're living it that way. You're choosing to live it that way. Are you going to choose to live it that way? If you were to live up to 80, well, maybe this is not a long percentage of your life, but how are you living it? And, and being more conscious about our decisions mm-hmm. and giving yourself permission to be innovative. You know, since I left my corporate job, I realized I can design my lifestyle. I can design my business. I can design everything from scratch and it will be like, you know, nobody else because it's my <clears throat> innovation and allowing yourself to do that because you can and you are fully capable of it. And I think it, it adds to that joy element, mm-hmm. which we sometimes forget. Yeah. So there is my quote for you. I think it's just very inspiring for anyone, right? As for us as product managers, we love creating something new, right? How shall yes. we live? We love adding value to others. I know now, and since you've left that corporate job, my sense of you is you love helping see other people succeed and you help love equipping them to do that um, and the coaching work that you do now. Yes. Uh, which is a great time to tell us about that. How can people find out about the work that you're involved in? And you also sure. do have a great resource for helping with this career planning, career progression yes. work that goes in a lot more detail than what, what we just talked about. Yes. Tell us about where we can get our hands on those things. Wonderful. Happy to. So I would say that um, I, I, I work with uh, career professionals and I work with business owners, but but I'm passionate about this. And so I poured my heart and soul into this 17-hour audio program, which I called Crack the Code to Get Promoted. Hmm. And that is a program that I have that you can find at fasttrackpromotion.com. Uh, but to find out more about me, you can go to prolificliving.com and I have, uh, you know, I talk about my work. I work with individuals. I work with small groups and I do a lot of speaking after my business book was published in November, The Serving Mindset. And I love to see you take action. So the greatest reward for me would be if you come to me and say, I heard you on Chad's podcast and you made me think about this whole value and positioning thing. And I had a different conversation with my boss. Hmm. That will be the beginning of a new career for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I think the greatest reward for us is when we give advice, not to say to hear a thank you, but to have someone circle back. And very few do. Right. I sometimes don't do it. And say, I heard you and I did what you said. And it worked out well for me. Right. And I think, you know, one, one of your skills, I wish I would have had someone to go to when I had those promotion discussions coming up. Right. If For I sure. know I got that performance review of oh, my boss yes. next month, I just want yes. to role play that with someone and talk yes. through about, well, what if they say this? What should I say? How should I position things? That's yes. really valuable to have. 
Yes, funny. I, I do that. The role play is part of what I do when when you go into what I call these high stake conversations, uh-huh. where what you say and how you say it and what you don't say is everything to the outcome. Right. right. And yeah. and you just have to get that right. I mean, you can afford to make a few mistakes, but opportunities for that come, you know, a few times a year, right? Uh-huh. And perception forms quickly. And you need to manage your manager's perception. So absolutely, building that skill is something I love to do with my clients. And when it pays off, it's it's more surprising for them. I'm not surprised because I know we can learn it. Uh-huh. But they are surprised because by saying a few things differently and showing up more confidently and pausing at the right stages, right. the manager has a completely different response to them. The same person. And all of a sudden, the doubts go away, and they are confident that they, too, can have everything they want in their mm-hmm. career. That's excellent. Farnoosh, thank you so much for the information and your time with us. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you, Chad. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find the written notes of the discussion with Farnoosh at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 247. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.